There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to All Starts Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Ellen Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Adam Elliott and I'm joined today by Dan Holdsworth and Martin Riley. Nice and late, weren't you, Martin? How are you? I'm good, yeah. I was a little bit late for this. I apologise for that. I'm doing good, though. I've I've eaten in preparation for this. Um, had a homemade cottage pie, which was very nice. And yeah, I've just had a good game, good day today watching... Some Coventry and looking forward to having a chat with you guys. Dan, how are you doing, mate? I'm good and I was early, so, you know, even better. Yeah, and uh, I was on time, even though you both thought it was going to be late. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. great all round, essentially. I'm not going to tell you what I've eaten because I'm embarrassed because I think I said the exact same thing either on the last pod or the one before and I don't really want to repeat it. But I want you to know, Dan, I have bought some mince pies, so I'm going, to be, I'm going to be trying those in the next few days and I will be giving some reviews within the Discord as you have been doing. Um, yeah. Which reminds me, if anyone wants to sign up to our Patreon, they should because then they get access to the Discord and you get to see all these wonderful little insights like that from Dan. Um, but yeah, I'll dive straight in, essentially, guys. So is there any news to speak of? I don't think there is. Not as far as I know. Um, no new injuries to report of as far as we're, we're aware, but sure, we'll find out more from Farka before the game. Um, well, we had the press conference yet. No, it's tomorrow. We're recording on Thursday night and he's yeah, he's going to be doing that one tomorrow. So there's probably going to be like 15 injuries and all of this is going to be useless. But we are here, of course, to talk about Coventry City, who we play on Saturday back at Ellen Road, where we've actually won seven in a row. Um, but before we dive in, all stats aren't we? His very own Tom Alderson spoke to Stuart Rendell from the Sky Blue Hub in preparation. And we'll let you listen to that right now. Stuart, hi, how are you? Not too bad, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, I was saw Leeds win at Blackburn yesterday, which was the first away win I've seen in a long time, which is quite nice. But oh, how about how did how did Coventry get on yesterday? Well, no, we played Friday. Uh, ah, yes, on TV, Friday, weren't you? Friday yeah, yeah. We obviously we won two 0 so it was uh, it was nice to get a win again, especially after after the uh, Ipswich game, uh, where we we didn't really turn up to be fair, but uh, it, it it was okay. Uh, but there was. You can tell that Ipswich are very much 
uh, a together team and they've been there to, together for a while. Uh, and they, uh, you know, they have got good players. So uh, I was, look, they were one of my tips to to not do very well and maybe even go back down. But they've, yeah. they've surpassed my expectations. And I saw their win. Uh, they played on a Wednesday night a couple of weeks ago. I can't, it was Millwall um, just before us. And they played really, really well. And I, 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 I was worried, to be fair, uh, against them. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it, it was one of them games where they showed up better than we did. We've, we've played better than, and we've played worse than won, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, it was just one of them games where nothing was going right for us. Everything was going right for them, especially with their second goal and stuff as well. It was a really well-taken goal. But yeah. sometimes when things aren't going your way, that hits the bar or just goes out. But everything's just going in for them at the moment, isn't it? So. Yeah, just especially from a Leeds point of view, Ipswich are a bit worrying for our autonomous situation. <laughs> I hope so. Oh, yeah, I'm hoping they slow down a bit. Um, I'm sure they will. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, I'm sh- guessing quite a lot of Leeds fans won't have checked in with Coventry since Leeds got promoted to the Premier League. So could you just let us know where Coventry are as a club at the moment and how the last few years have been for you guys? Yeah, obviously, uh, obviously the last few years have been very much hit and miss. Um, we had Sisu, you know, we were changing grounds and, you know, not playing at our home stadium and stuff. And um, it's very, it was very, very hard under them. And um, Doug King came in uh, October uh, of last year. He's been there about a year now, coming up to obviously January, it'll be about 18 months or so. Um, and he, he's kind of steadied the ship a little bit for us. Um, you know, he's got a good relationship with the Fraser Group, which own the CBS Arena. Uh, it is starting to feel a little bit more like home for us now. Um, uh, obviously, we, obviously, I know you're going to talk shortly about uh, losing uh, players and stuff, which we'll talk yeah. uh, a little bit more about in a minute anyway. But, you know, he's just steadied the ship, Doug King, and he's got that relationship with the, um, with the fans going. Uh, the anecdote, which is the... Um, uh, the, the pub sort of located at the CBS Arena. Doug King's always in there on a match day at home games and stuff. So he's very much, he's not shying away from anything. You know, he's fronting everything up. And it's a really, it's a breath of fresh air to see, really, that, that he's, he's getting that relationship. And when he first came in, you know, he was at under-21s games and, and things like that. So it shows his commitment to Coventry. And like you said, he's, he's got that relationship with Mark Robbins as well, which which seems to be, uh, boding well for us, um, you know, and but we, we haven't necessarily hit the ground running really this season, especially compared to last season. But you know, you've got to you've got to sort of take things at face value, you know, and um, we've got to make sure that we 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 start turning things around, and we're we're on the right tracks um, this season. But it's it's just been a slow burner for us, really. This one, yeah, starting to sound a bit more positive, and the the. Um backroom stuff then um compared to how yeah, you were a few yeah. years ago oh yeah very much so like i said it was um when we had sisu you know we, we didn't know our ass from our elbow really we didn't know what yeah. was going on and you know it was it, it, it was it was tough look when sisu first took about took us over you know on the brink of administration i think back in 2008 uh, i think it was or something ridiculous like that you know we, we could have gone they didn't have to do what they did there's been a lot of internal uh, struggles with, you know, who's going to be the face. We had Tim Fisher, 
you know, he wasn't necessarily one with the fans. There was a lot of, you know, talking behind the scenes that we didn't really know who owned us. Joyce Sapal had come out and then she was at a few home games. And it was a very, very tricky time. But, you know, Mark Robbins on a very limited budget. We had to sell our best players over the years as well. Um, you know, they were they were very much sort of probably after the money, if you like. But there was a middle bit where it was it was horrible. Uh, yeah. where we were changing, you know, we went to Northampton, we've been at Birmingham twice as our home stadium. Um, it's, it's been very, very hard. Um, but the last sort of probably 18 months of CSU's tenure was was okay. They were starting to steady the ship a little bit. Dave Body come in and stuff and, and helped that relationship with the fans. Yeah. Tim Fisher kind of you know, we're starting to fade into the background a little bit and not seeing him as much. The same with Joyce Apala. And then, you know, like I said, uh, last year in October, um, you know, there was always talks that somebody might have come in. There was a lot of people uh, open to a consortium and stuff, but never, nothing really ever happened with, with that much sort of vigour and guile, if you like, really. And it's always the way, isn't it? You know, whenever a club gets taken over, it's literally bang, they've, they've taken you over and nobody knew anything about it. Yeah. And that was very much, you know, last October that when Doug King did it, that, you know, it brought a smile on everybody's face that, oh my God, we've been taken over. And um, it was it was all positive, really. Uh, but nobody knew Doug King, didn't know his background or anything and where he'd come from. Um, but yeah, look, he's, he's had mixed reviews. Uh, on certain things, you know, season tickets, and but he's gone back on a few things uh, within the season ticket realm, and he's made a few people happy. So he's he's open to suggestions, but he is very much a businessman, uh, and he wants to obviously give us the best chance and of of surviving. You know, he's got a he's got a plan that he wants. You know, with it, I think um, five seasons, he wants to be. In the playoff picture, three out of them five seasons. Right. Okay. So you know he's very much got a plan, uh, and it, and he's is um, is very sticking to it. So it, it's good to see as well. You know. Yeah. All all sounds quite positive then, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, different. Not to change. Absolutely. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Leeds have had their fair share of bad owners over the years, so I know how, how yeah, big a difference yeah. they can make when um, if they're doing the right stuff. Uh, you kind of hinted at player departures in in your answer there so i'd like to discuss your the summer with transfer window just gone because there was two pretty big name departures there in uh gustavo hammer and victor giacores so can you just let us know how big a loss those two were for you uh, for commentary and how have you reshaped the squad following their departures um well obviously look they, they were the, let alone the best players in the team they were the best players in the league last season yeah um and i look vic vic was a brilliant striker uh, he can do anything, um, you know, on his day, he can leave the line, he can play as a two. He has got everything um, that you want from a striker, really. And I think we will see him in, in the Premier League. I don't think there's any doubt about that, really. I think it depends on who wants to, who's willing to pay the money. Um, so, obviously, we sold him for a record fee. Um, I, I think it was like 32 million euros, which is equated right. to about 24, I think. Obviously, Brighton had a little bit of a salon clause uh, with that as well. So that gave us about 20 million in total, I think, uh, that we actually came out with. Gus, you know, Gus's rumblings were a little bit longer. We knew that Vic was going to go because he was just so good. Uh, and he was very ambitious in that way as well. 
with regards to Gus, there was still a, you know, we were still hoping that he might sign that contract of a two-year deal, maybe. Um, but obviously, Sheffield United come in. They offered us, I think it was 15 million. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I think I think that was the right thing to do. Uh, he was a Premiership player. He is a Premiership player. Um, and, you know, I don't think really we've even touched that money yet. Just because of the season tickets that we've had, because of the Vic money, you know, shirt sales, you know, everything was was really really rosy, especially after last season as well, nearly getting to the to the Premier League, you know, missing out so close. Um, but it's, you know, if you said who we bought in to replace Vic and Hamer, to be fair, we haven't really replaced Hamer. We haven't yeah. really got the that midfield, that dynamic midfielder, just because we were missing people at the start of the season. Uh, you know, O'Hare has only just started to come back from injury. Palmer's been in and out because of injury as well. Um, and people have had to step up. You know, Sheaf's had to step up. Uh, uh, Allen's had to step up. He had an issue at the start of the season as well. Uh, Eccles has had to, you know, step up. We got a really good signing in from uh, Brighton. Uh, IR, Yasin Ayari, Swedish under-21 international. He hasn't hit the ground running, so we haven't really replaced... Uh, Hamer as such. With Vic, you know, we, we made our record signing in Hadji Wright. We've signed Sims from Everton. Um, and to be fair, again, I know we're going to touch on it a little bit as well, a little bit later on, but they haven't really hit the ground running. As You know, you get all the footage from, you know, obviously Hadji Wright was at the World Cup. You know, he played against England for the USA. Um, so he's an international striker. And when you see the highlights and everything, I think looking back, I think when we initially saw the highlights of um, Hadji and um, Sims, you know, going on the, the highlight reels and stuff, it was a no-brainer. You know, you thought these two were going to come in and, and set the world alight and, and would be firing up the top half of the table. Yeah. It doesn't always work like that. It does take a little bit of time for people to bed in. Um, but again, you know, a lot of the fans at the moment are saying how long... How long do you give somebody to bed in, you know? And it's just taking a little bit longer. But on the flip side of that, um, we've bought in uh, Sakamoto um, from, uh, I think he played in, uh, I think he did play in Belgium at one point, but it was from, uh, I think, his homeland in Japan that we got him from. Uh, we've bought in a few defenders, Latibodier, um, Kitchen, uh, Collins, the goalkeeper, uh, Thomas. Um, and De Silva. So we've brought in a, a nucleus of players uh, yeah. with the money. Like I said, we haven't really even touched uh, the Hamer money. So what we do in January will be very interesting. I don't like the January transfer window personally because I just don't think there's very many options out there, especially permanent buys. Uh, it is mainly sort of maybe loans or if contracts are running out you might be able to find a gem on the odd occasion you know van dyke left in a january transfer window when he left yeah. southampton so there's always that possibility but uh, as a whole i think it's been good uh recruitment they just haven't you know the, the strikers where you want them to they just haven't hit the ground running but like i said sakamoto's been a breath of fresh air and probably one of the players so far of the season and he seems to be getting better and better with each game um especially now we've reverted again i know you're going to mention it shortly as well but we've reverted, we've changed we have changed systems slightly which yeah. helps sakamoto sort of um do what he does best so 
so yeah so it's, it's been okay so with all that in mind then how happy are you with the squad overall and do you think it's uh, what uh, the squad is at the level where it needs to be for I don't know maybe potentially pushing the playoffs next season or uh, a mid-table finish this year I don't know uh, obviously there was always the highs of, of just missing out on uh, on promotion last year I would say that it's it's on the right tracks yeah uh, personally um, you know if you look at our you know our depth that we've got now, especially with, with players coming back from injury. You know, Palmer was on the bench. Godwin was actually missing uh, because of his... Uh, congratulations to him, by the way, if he ever listens to this. Uh, he, on the birth of his second child. Um, but with him on the bench as well, we've got Palmer, we've got uh, Latte on the bench, Binks on the bench, another loan signing that we had in the summer as well. Um you know, De Silva can't get into the side at the moment because Bidwell's playing so well. You know, so there's a lot of there's a lot of plus. Our our, our core of players, you know, is getting a lot better and a lot stronger. And it's gonna be hard even to get on the bench, you know, if we make any signings or anything in January, let alone uh next summer, you know. Uh, it is gonna be interesting. Um but I, I would say that the that the spine of the squad you know, and the depth that we've got in that spine of the squad as well is a lot better than what we were last year. I think it's just the amount of players that we've brought in and losing, like I said, two of the best players in Vic and, and Hamer has kind of hindered this season to a certain extent. I still feel that we'll finish in the top eight. Okay. Whether we make the playoffs or not, I'm not sure. Not It depends on how, you know, in January that and Sims and... Hadji Wright start clicking and Godden start clicking a little bit more in front of goal because we are, if you look at, I saw a stat today on uh, on X that, you know, Hadji Wright uh, is first in big chances, misses, in miss chances. Right, okay. So if he starts yeah. converting them, you know, it will help him and it will also help us because, you know, defensively we are, we've started to become quite solid. Um, it's just missing these chances. And if they do start scoring them, you know, I can see us doing really, really well. So this this season so far has been quite a, a mixed bag of results when I had a quick scan over it this morning. Um, and especially considering you were so close to promotion last year. Um, how do you feel about the, re- the results so far this season? And would you say that the performances on the pitch are actually reflective of those results that you've seen? Yeah, well, they, they always say that the table doesn't lie, does it? You know, Um and at the start of the season, we, we were very much... We, we brought players in to ha- try and help us. Oh, I haven't even mentioned Milan, uh, our right wing-back that we uh, we signed as well, who's a brilliant player, by the way. Um, but we were very much trying to get people into the back three or the back five, if you like, because we played with wing-backs. And, and we were very much, um, at the start of the season, you know, we, we opened the day against Leicester playing the back three, two wing-backs, three midfielders, and then your two strikers up top. Yeah. And that helped us, you know, that worked last season. There's no reason why it didn't work this season, to be fair. But with the players that we've brought in, um, you know, we, we we beat, sorry, we lost against Leicester first game of the season, uh, 2-1 narrowly, uh, and then we lost in the cup. Uh, I can't remember who we played now, I think maybe MK. Uh, Dons or Wimbledon maybe or somebody like that I think we yeah. lost 2-1 that game as well and then our first home game we played Middlesbrough we beat we absolutely hammered them 3-0 at our place 
Um, and we thought then that, you know, our luck might be turning. And then for some reason, we just weren't turning up. Our players weren't playing. Silly mistakes came into play. And something kind of needed to change. So I think we lost, you know, our next few games after the Middlesbrough game. And it just felt like we needed to change the system. So um, I think it was the, I'm just trying to think now. I think it might have been half time at Preston uh, that he changed it, or it might have been QPR. Um, and he changed it and he reverted to a back four. Yeah. And that just kind of solidified the, 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 the centre halves and it just calmed people down a little bit. Um, and as we've changed to a back four now, um, the results weren't there initially because we were still losing, but we looked a little bit more solid. And gradually, as the games have gone on, just got better and better. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, our goalkeeper made a few mistakes. So he's changed goalkeeper. Um, you know, so we've got um, Collins in goal now. Who, to be fair to him, he kind of worries me a little bit just because he is very much a sweeper keeper. And he yeah. will literally be out of, outside of his box waiting for that long ball to come over. It helps uh, in some situations, but I just think sometimes somebody's going to make him look a little bit silly because they'll have a go from the halfway line and there's possibility of scoring. Yeah. And that kind of worries me a little bit. But Touchwood, um, he's, been, he's been sound so far and he's made some really important stops and saves for us. Um, but he just helps, you know, that core... Um, and then the game against Stoke uh, that we saw a big change. I saw, for me anyway, a big change in how they played. And they were very much, because previously I don't think they really played together as a team um, as such really. But now they're starting to play together and you can start seeing them jalling in certain areas. And I think it helps that, um, you know, more of the players that he wants in his first team are playing and they're not yeah. injured, and they're just having that run of games, which helps as well. Um, and we are we are getting a lot lot better. Um, but uh, but yeah, th- look, th- there's still things to be ironed out. Uh, but we are getting better, and we are on the right tracks. So you've you've kind of hinted at the answer to this next question, then. But w- what have your more recent results and performances looked like? Um, more more um, more of a togetherness, more of a um, camaraderie as a team. Um, you know, like I said, there, there are, we're not we're not 100% where we need to be, but we're definitely getting on the right tracks. You know, we we drew at uh, we drew at Stoke. Well, sorry, they drew at our place nil nil, but it was very much uh, a, a good performance from us. We didn't score, uh, but very much a good performance from us. I think then um, I'm just trying to remember now our our fixtures. Um, I can't remember our fixtures, but the, the performances have been getting better and better. I think we might have, we drew at Stoke and then we beat Millwall. Uh, we beat, beat Plymouth at our place as well, 1-0. That was a yeah. late goal, but the, the performances have been there. And then obviously the um, the win at Birmingham uh, in between the loss uh, against Ipswich. But the Ipswich performance, I've always said that if we show up, we will give anybody a game. Yeah. Uh, and Ipswich, I just don't think that we, we, we turned up really uh, as much as we can do i think because they were so good on running switch i think we showed them a little bit too much respect uh, and they just come on to us we didn't play our game very well there was there was patches but 
Um, obviously, it ended up 2-1, but Godden missed the penalty. You know, if he'd scored right. that on 75 minutes, it could have been a different game. But I think initially we showed them too, respect, too much respect and they come on to us too much, which I'm hoping we don't do against, you know, Southampton on Wednesday and you guys uh, at your place on the, uh, on the Saturday. Because if we do, look, out of the three games uh, that we've got coming up, you guys are the ones that I'm most worried about. If we don't show up, you'll, you will absolutely turn us over. Uh, but if we do show up, I do think that we'll give you a game. I'm not sure whether it's going to be enough, uh, but I would be uh, here now. I'll be happy with a point uh, against you guys. Let's have a chat about uh, Mark Robbins then. So he's been the, your, uh, the manager for commentary for quite a while now. I like Considering the nature of football, it's a bit mad how long he's been there, but... What what is uh, commentary fans' opinion on Robbins and how he manages the team? Well, obviously, if you asked us uh, at the end of last season, he was god and couldn't do anything <laughs> wrong. Uh, but obviously, you're asking me now. Some of the fans are, are turning a little bit, um, just because of recent performances. When we, you know, at the start of the season, um, and you know, playing, you know, playing, you know, round pegs in round holes. You know, is the analogy that I can I can say really is starting to do that a little bit more. Um, but for me, you know, Robbins has got too much credit in the bank, uh, especially you know, you know, we've had a high turnover of you know managers in the championship. We've had nine so far, I think. Obviously, Mowbray was the most shocking one. You know, they're sitting ninth, yeah. um, and they're getting rid of managers. You know, uh, Michael Duffy at Swansea. You know, that we we played Swansea. I think we. Uh, we drew one all with Swansea at the start of the season. And I think that was one of the ones as well uh, that I missed out earlier on. But, you know, he's just got too much credit in the bank. And I think with Doug King as well, that kind of helps Mark Robbins because Doug King isn't a football man. It's not like you've got, you know, Mike Ashley come in, um, yeah. you know, who knows football and that can change just like that. Because I think if Mike Ashley had been involved now with us, Mark Robbins may not have lasted. I think he may have gone. Okay. Because Doug doesn't know football that much. Look, come next season, we'll see where we are. For this season, I think he'll be in charge no matter what happens, even if we go on the bad run. As long as we don't get relegated, I think Mark Robbins will be at the, uh, at the club at the start of the season. Next January, if we're in the same situation with Doug King knowing a little bit more, We'll have to wait and see, but hopefully we won't be in that predicament anyway. Hopefully, you know, we'll be at the top half of the table and uh, and we're all happy again. But there is, you know, you'll always get that fan base, especially with Coventry, uh, that, you know, if results aren't going your way or if you don't feel that his playing plays in the right position or, you know, he's picking different players that that fan wants to, yeah. you know, there's always going to be that element of, you know, we want him out personally. He's got too much credit in the bank. I don't want to see him going anywhere this season. You've got to give him a chance. You've got to give the players a chance as well, you know, to really to really bet in. Because, you know, look, Hadji Wright's 25. He's just come from the Turkey League. His family is still starting to come over. So he's not fully integrated into the Coventry way. You know what I mean? So, and he hasn't, you know, played championship football or been in League One or League Two. You know, it's it's a hard division to be in. It's you know, it's one of the hardest. It's definitely the hardest league to get out of. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's it's not an easy league. Anybody can beat anybody. There's always a hard game coming around the corner. 
you know, the, again, the old cliche, there's no easy games, uh, is very much the way. But Mark Robbins, you know, he's been a breath of fresh air. He's took us from, you know, League Two when we were down there, you know, got us promoted from League Two, won the Johnson's Paint Trophy, as it was known then. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the COVID season, he got us promoted. Yes, it wasn't in the way that we wanted to because it was points per game in the end that did it. But I yeah. still firmly believe that we would have won that league anyway, uh, regardless of the uh, the points per uh, league rules. And then it was a shame that we didn't go up because we didn't, you know, as a fan base, we didn't really get to celebrate promotion season. And we still haven't really, um, you know, because we couldn't celebrate because of COVID and, and other things like that. So, you know, when we get promoted, whenever that may be, you know, we will be promoting, we will be celebrating that League One promotion as well, because I think it's only right that we do. But Mark Robbins, too much credit in the bank for me to go anywhere. And, you know, for me, he's God. Uh, I've met him, I've met him once and he's just such a down-to-earth guy and he's trying to do the best for what's, what Coventry wants. And yeah, just just a brilliant, brilliant guy and a special man. So, yeah. Yeah, I think Leeds fans can uh, know how you feel on that f- feeling of not celebrating a promotion. So we, when we won the league, when we weren't promoted, that was the COVID year as well. So yeah, we yeah, we all missed that at the stadium, which is if we were to go this year, I think it would be like a double celebration, like you say. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Let's talk about Robin's uh, tactics a bit more then. So how do Coventry build attacks in settled possession? Uh, well, this season especially. Obviously, last season when uh, when we got to the playoffs, we were very much a counter um, counter attacking side. We were letting the pressure build, and because we had the players, um, you know, we could play through the lines very very quickly in O'Hare, Hamer, you know, Jamie Allen, and people like that, and then knocked it to Vic, and Vic would do his magic and, <laughs> and just run past players and bully defences and and score that goal. You know, to be fair to Vic, though, well, not to be fair to him, to be fair, but he. The amount of chances Vic missed was incredible. If he'd scored half the chances that he had, you know, he would have beat Akbom to the uh, to the Golden Boot uh, yeah. for the Championship last season without a shadow of a doubt. He missed a lot of chances. He, you know, he's scoring a lot more in uh, in for Sporting than he did for us. Right. Uh, like I said, last last year we were very much a counteracting side, counter uh, attacking side. This year, because of the plays that he brought in, especially at the start. He wanted to be a more possession-based uh, team. And I don't think that works for, for us and even the players that we've got now. So from probably the Stoke game where we drew nil-nil, we were very much letting them come on to us and then we were attacking. But we, what's quite good, he doesn't use it enough. We haven't really got a plan B, but he do, we can go in that possession-based and, and pass it around the back lines. Again, like any team and like, you know, Leeds and... Leicester, they very much play out from the back and the goalkeeper. They'll pass it back to the goalkeeper and then out to the defenders. And we can play through the lines. We don't really, we're not really a long ball team. We can play it as an outlay if we need to. Robbins doesn't like to do that. He does like to pass it through the lines and, and go through. But we can, we can soak up the pressure. And because of O'Hare coming back, because of Alan being in there, I, have, I can't really mention Casey, but Casey's another one that can play through them as well. You know, we can play through the line. So we have got different ways of playing. It's not just, you know, one way. We can let you come on to us and we can counter-attack. It's just whether we can take them chances. Yeah. So um, 
you've kind of hinted it there, but what about when the opposition has the ball then? Um, how does commentary play? Yeah, I, I think to be fair, we'll, you know, I think both of us will set up in a similar way. I think, um, you know, you're very, I think you'll have the majority of the ball, uh, yeah. especially in your place as well. You'll have majority of the ball. So against you, I think we will be very much counter-attacking uh, just because of the, the amount of possession that you guys will probably have. Like you said, I just don't want us to get overwhelmed that we're constantly sitting back too much, allowing that on and giving you too much uh, time on the ball. Uh, but like I said, with Callum coming back, he helps us with that because he ha- he he initiates that press um, for for you guys like, against you guys really, and then hopefully we'll then you know Alan will come into it, Hadji Wright will come into it, Sims or Godden will come into it, Sakamoto will come onto it, and we'll very much herd in a pack. Um, right. It's whoever starts that, and it's normally you know O'Hare coming into it. It's normally O'Hare that that starts that. He's quick, he's nimble, um, and if your defenders aren't ready, then he, he can cause problems or make a loose pass, you know, for, for somebody else to jump onto. But it's very much going to, it is going to be very much back and forth, I think. It will be an open game. Um, and I just hope that, like I said, that we like the Ipswich game, that we don't get, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, we don't get overrun by you just because. Yeah your leads and you know you come down from the Premier League I just hope it's not like that really which, which players would you say are most important to the way that Coventry want to play or more specific to this game which players uh, do you think is most important for you to get a result at Ellen Road um yeah it's, it's a difficult one really obviously I think I think no matter what we've got to win our individual battles first you know I think if we win that um you know, the likes of Sakamoto. Sakamoto and Milan, especially down that right-hand side, are getting a really, really good relationship because they've they're both played wing-backs in the time, they've both played full-backs, and they both want to get forward. So with that, you know, if one goes forward, the other one will cover and overlap that run and things like that. So but Sakamoto is, at the moment, the one that, that's unlocking defences for us. But obviously, Cal's only just come back, really, uh, and Cal's starting to do that. Uh, on that right-hand side and in the centre. Hadji, for me, probably needs to work a little bit harder off the ball. If he does that, to, you know, to uh, to help us out a little bit, uh, then, um, then yeah, I, I think I think all over the pitch, them individual battles, but Sakamoto probably, for me, at the moment, is the main catalyst towards them attacks. If you can keep him quiet, you know, you might keep us quiet a little bit. But like I said, Callum O'Hare's only just come back. He scored two goals, so he's going to be upbeat. Um, but we have got threats all over the pitch. Look, it's, I would like to think that it's not going to be a walkover for you guys. But like I said, we have to show up. Yes, it's interesting that you point out your players that play on your right-hand side because Sam Byram, who has been playing left-back for us, he just went off injured yesterday. So we might potentially be seeing Jed Spence play oh, there. Um, so that might be something that may be a bit of a positive. Just, Spence is a good player, but he's obviously playing out of position. Yeah. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see how that goes, if that's how it turns. Um, if that's what it turns out to be for the lineups. It's not, it's not a bad replacement, is it, Jed Spence? No, nah, he's all right. He's, a, he's an all right player. <laughs> um, Leeds have been lucky to keep hold of the ball this season uh, with, with Fark, and we've been quite recently, actually, we've been a bit more high-pressing, but we can still be caught in transition if that high press goes wrong or we when we're attacking. So um, with that in mind, how would you expect this game to go? 
like I said, it's very much going to be an open game and it's going to be back and forth, really. Uh, it, it could be a game of who's going to score more. Um, and at the moment, I would probably have to say that you're going to score more than us. I don't want to say it. Um, and when I do my pod later in the week, you know, I'll, I'll probably say it again. It does worry me. Um, I have to be honest. But like I said, it's going to be very much an open game. If, like, but if we show up, look, Leicester's running away with the league and we really should have beat Leicester on the opening day of the season. Uh, I believe that we're getting, we're getting back to the way that we were playing against Leicester. Um, and if we can get some out of the Southampton game, if we beat Southampton at our place, then, you know, we're, we're going to be booed by that. And we're, we, obviously we always bring a good following anyway when we're away from home. Uh, and we're always loud and proud. Um, and if we get behind the boys and the boys show up, you know, we, we could shock we could shock you. Um, so, like I said, you've got to be on it as well. Uh, but if we don't show if we don't show up and you do, you know, I, I do expect you to beat us. But I wouldn't put anything past this commentary side. I think you know there's a lot of players on the pitch as well for us that have got points to prove, uh, and they're going to want to make sure that they're they're fighting for that shirt really. Yeah, just like despite the league table, I this the game next week is one that I'm looking forward to watching, but also it like, does worry me a little bit from Leeds getting the results. Uh, compared to, say, playing some other teams in that position of the table, the commentary game does concern me quite a bit more. Okay, cool. Um, this this next question might be a bit difficult, because if people hadn't worked out, we're, I'm kind of recording on the Sunday before the game next Saturday, and there's a midweek game. Yeah, but, well, yeah. Um, do you have any notable injuries or suspensions ahead of the game next Saturday? I guess the suspensions bit might be a bit harder. Yeah, um, suspensions-wise, I, I th- to be fair, we're quite we're, we're quite good at not getting bookings and things. So I don't think there's anybody really noticeable that I can think that if they get a booking in the Southampton game that will be missing uh, your game. I don't think there's anybody like that really. Um, injuries-wise, to be fair, we haven't really got any notable injuries. Uh, we are getting players back, like I've mentioned already. You know, Cow's only just come back from injury. Um, that was his first start at the CBS Arena this season, I think, um, with being out, obviously being injured. Uh, O'Hare's in and out, but his, he was on the bench um, on Friday for Birmingham. We'll have to see. I don't think he'll start because I think he'll pretty much start the same team uh, against Southampton that played Birmingham. Um, obviously, Godden's back, so there might be a, a slight tweak up front, possibly. Yeah. Um, but no, I, th- I think generally, you know, obviously, unless something happens in the uh, Southampton game, I think everybody's pretty much coming back to full fitness and and will be uh, will be fully fit. So it will be a fully fit, hopefully, side, uh, barring people slightly coming back from a few niggles, but they might not start anyway. Yeah. So yeah, you see, you, you kind of suggested that it might be an unchanged lineup from your previous game but um, could you let us know what your best guess of that lineup would be yeah at the, at the moment like I said the nucleus is pretty much speaking for itself the only the only question marks really are the three in midfield because we know like I said we've played a 4-3-3 now so you'll have probably Collins in goal uh, barring any injuries uh, the back four will be Milan on the right uh, Thomas Kitchen and Bidwell again barring any uh, any injuries uh, I won't do the midfield three just yet because, again, that's like I said, that's more open. Uh, you'll have Hadji Wright on the left, you'll have Sakamoto on the right, and then you'll have either Sims or Godden up front okay. uh, as a central striker. 
Now the midfield three, like I said, is is a lot more open, and we're we're happy really, to be fair, with whoever plays in that midfield three. But it is going to be interesting to see whether we go slightly more defensive and maybe play uh, Latibodier in central midfield with Sheaf, and maybe have Callum O'Hare in that not number ten, but in that third midfield slot, just to link the the midfield defence to the attack, or whether we can play. You know, like he did against Birmingham and play Sheaf, uh, Allen and O'Hare, because that gives you a little bit more energy in there as well. They're not as tall, um, but, but, you know, they'll give a lot more energy in there. Or whether he brings Eccles back in, whether he brings Palmer back in. Um, so there's a lot of options in that, that central three that he could do. And it just depends, I think, obviously what happens against Southampton uh, and... You know, really on how he wants to set that that midfield three up. So that one's more open. But like I said, the nucleus around it, that back five and that front three are pretty much going to be what it is. Unless, you know, against Ipswich, you know, unfortunately, he, uh, he, he changed formation. And I don't think that helped either against Ipswich. Because where we've been playing quite well as a 4-3-3, he decided to play a 4-5-1, uh, I think it was in the end. Right. Um and that really didn't help because we didn't have the link between midfield and attack quite right. Yeah. Uh, where I think the four-three-three does. Um, but like I said, the uh, the nucleus around it will be pretty much what I've said, barring any injuries um, or any red cards or anything that happens uh, in midweek. Uh, but that midfield three, again, like I said, is the one that's more up for debate on on who he actually brings in. And the final qu- uh, question we always ask our guests. Because we don't ask for predictions, but what I will ask is, where do you think this game will be won or lost? Uh, I think I, I think I've kind of already said it's going to be them individual battles uh, that where it's going to be won or lost. I think if you if you win that individual battle and start picking up the second balls as well, um, I think that's where we we may come undone because I think you know you've got quick lads up front. You've got I think it's Summerby and people like that, and you know you're not. All over the pitch, you're not a weak side, really, in terms of the championship. Um, you know, like you said, you know, Sam Byram's out and you're bringing Jed Spence. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, that just shows the level of quality that you've got uh, and the depth that you've got as well in your side. So it's them individual battles that I think it will be won or lost. If we can get, uh, you know, if Sheaf, Eccles or whoever plays in that central midfield role, really, I think that's going to be the key area is going to be that central midfield. Um if, if we can if we can start winning them battles and start getting a little bit more overlapping on the left and right hand side uh, to bring in Sakamoto and Milan and Bidwell and uh, and Hadji, I think that's where we might cause you a few problems. But it's going to be them individual battles in that central midfield role. I think it's going to be key. Lovely stuff. Well, thank you for joining us, Stuart. Uh, where can our listeners find your content? No, thank you very much for having me. Uh, we are literally. We're everywhere in terms of commentary. So you just put all things sky blue in and you'll pretty much find us. We're on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, uh, X. We do a uh, we do a Twitter space uh, or an X space on a Sunday night at nine o'clock uh, to review the previous game, uh, to review the previous game and preview the uh, the up and coming game. Uh, feel free to jump on there if you uh, want to have a listen to We've got Southampton guest on as well. So. You know, obviously, we'll be talking obviously more about that game than the Leeds game. Um, but like I said, we're on YouTube. We are on Spotify, Amazon. You can just say in Alexa, play all things Sky Blue. 
uh, and we should come up on there as well, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, you can pretty much find us anywhere that, that, that that's commentary, really. So yeah, but thank you for having me on. Much appreciated. No problem. You've been great. So thanks, Stuart. Cheers. Thank you very much. Insightful stuff from Stuart there. Um, I have to say, I've also been on a podcast with him on his end for the Coventry side of things. So if anyone wants to listen to that, I'm sure we'll share it on all our regular socials and, and you can have a little watch and you can see my lovely face. And well, it's not so lovely at the moment. There's quite a lot of beard covering up. Um, but as you guys have both been speaking about prior to this podcast, I look a bit like Mele Adenak. Um, I'm sure that's a name that quite a lot of you are familiar with. But anyway, um, like always, to get we like to get these opposition fans on the podcast um, where we can. And it's one of the things which our Patreon allows us to do. It helps fund things like that. So, yeah, we'll go for a quick ad break shortly. But first, I'll just tell you a little bit more about our Patreon. Um, don't worry, patrons. You don't have to hear all this bit. You can skip past it if you like. Uh, but, yeah, Patreon is a media platform where you can support content creators that you enjoy and get extra content in return. Our patrons get access for as little as one ninety nine per month which gives you ad-free podcasts. And if you want to pay a little more, you get other benefits, including early access to our preview pods, such as this one, and analysis articles, videos, and other bonus podcasts, such as the Under-21s pod that you guys both do as well. Um, So if you do want to find out more about our Patreon, please visit Dan. Patreon.com forward slash A-S-A-W Patreon. Perfect. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Right, now let's get back to the analysis. We're going to talk about Coventry a little bit more. Um, Coventry, a team I've probably watched a lot of in the last 18 months. I'd say they're one of the more interesting championship teams over that span, particularly last season. Obviously, they got into the playoffs and and fell short in the end, as as Stuart mentioned. But yeah, um, how are we expecting them to play, guys? I I think he talked about them being a team that can possess the ball and play through to thirds at times. That is certainly something they've done. But actually, last season, I would say they were more of a transitional team. And it's only really this season that Robbins has tried to become a little bit more of a a possession-based team. And they were very good at it at the very, very start of the season when they had Gus Harmer in the team. But he's now left. Great. (laughs) Although I would have liked him at Leeds. But how are we expecting them to play in this game? Do you think they're going to be more of a transition team? Or do we think they're going to be more of a team that's going to try and hit us head-on and head-to-head and go and play their own game and, and try to possess the football? I'll start first with you. Martin? Uh, personally, I'd, I think it's probably going to end up them being quite transitional and looking to hit us um, on the break. Uh, just looking at their recent game against Southampton, who are another team who do like to possess the ball, uh, they well, I think have about 32% possession or 33% did Coventry, so that they didn't really have much share of possession at all. So they they sat back. I didn't watch that game. I wasn't able to find it, unfortunately. But I'm just going off the num- numbers there. But yeah, that's so, a 
taking that in, into account and also other games where they played other teams who like to possess the ball. Um, they had pretty low possession numbers against Leicester and also against Blackburn. So I would expect them to look to hit us in transition, especially since we're at Allen Road. I think it's more, most likely that they'll look to absorb pressure and try to hit us quickly in moments like those. Um, the one thing that I've noticed most about them is when they are getting the ball quickly forward, they are very good at it. Um, they're not long ball direct, they're along the floor direct. So it's more quite similar to, to the way we get the ball forward, really. And we're looking to attack in transition. So, and, and they are good at it. They've got some players who are capable of hitting teams on in transition. So, I would expect that is the way that they go. But there will certainly be moments where they do possess the ball because, like you mentioned, they have been trying to do that more this season. And they will be able to possess the ball at times. And they are reasonably good at doing that as well. One of the games I watched was against Sunderland. And that game finished roughly even possession wise. So, they're capable of holding possession against a team like Sunderland. Um, so I would expect them to also have moments largely. I think they will look to hit us in transition. So what do you think that's that one, Dan? Yeah, so the, the the games I've watched, they were kind of quite patient and holding on to the ball, but I've not managed to see them against any of the kind of stronger teams in the division. I saw them the Norwich, and I saw a kind of a big highlight package against from the game against Birmingham that they won recently. So looking at the numbers, more often than not, they have more of the possession. And like I said, the stuff I've seen is the, them being of them being... Um, Quite patient, um, but yeah, just looking at that Leicester, you know, Leicester and, and Leicester game and, and, and the numbers in the Southampton uh, play Southampton. Anyway, um, yeah, they didn't have a lot of possession at all, so I wouldn't be shocked if we see pockets where they do control the ball and look to like get a foothold in the game high up, high up in the in the pitch. But I think for the large part, they'll probably uh, we'll probably push them back, and, and you know, they will they will have to play in transition by by nature of our. Likely home dominance, I would think, in, in in terms of game state and in terms of sorry, in terms of possession and kind of field position. I'm just very glad they don't have their two best transitional attackers if we are expecting them to play in that way because mm. they sold them both in the summer, like I mentioned, yeah, yeah. which is great stuff. But they still do have a pretty good squad. It has to be said. Um, I just wondered which players you had a look at or have looked at in, over the last few years potentially Dan because I know you're a bit of an EFL pervert like me and you've watched a lot of the the championship in recent years are there any players that caught your eye watching them um, in these games yeah the, the, so last year they had obviously Hamer and and, and now Hare was the other kind of star midfielder and he's just coming back from injury now and he's got two goals against Birmingham recently and he's he literally is number 10 and he is you know very much the kind of typical number 10 sort of playing between the lines kind of you know picking up possession is like a small kind of diminutive kind of build so it kind of ticks ticks a lot of those number 10 boxes but yeah he just looks like a really lively player creative arrives into the box late really well nice little combination play can carry it a bit so yeah just a real real good fun player to watch out for I think the kind of midfield the other midfielders the likes of Ben Sheath and uh, Jamie Allen um, are, are, are all kind of very solid citizens in the championship you know the leg of platform for, for the likes of O'Hare to play and they right midfielder Sakamoto looks to be a pretty good, effective wide midfield player, like say carries the ball. A little bit of creativity in there from him. He's not a massive goal for it, I don't think, but I think he looks like a really kind of tidy player on the right hand side for them. So they're the, they're the players I'll pick out. I'm going to kind of ask you the same thing, Martin, but I am going to shoehorn you into a particular answer first. Talk to me a little bit about their strikers as well, whether it's a positive or a negative, because they've basically uh, put up quite a lot of good numbers this season of Coventry, but they don't seem to have scored a lot of goals. Quite a lot of their underlyings are good for XG and, and whatnot. So talk to me a little bit about Hadji Wright and Matt Godden, for example. So yeah, so Hadji Wright and Godden, they've um, both got on the end of a fair amount of XG for the amount that Coventry um, put up. Um, they've got to put up massive amounts in some games they'll sort of inflate the numbers but 
what, what the issue would have had this season is with those two is the underperformance when it comes to XG. Um, Hadjirite especially is running on a pretty massive underperformance so far. He's um, through about nine nine XG and scored six goals from that. And to have a, a full free XG underperformance is pretty massive from only nine XG in total. That's like a third of the total. So it's pretty high that is underperforming at this moment. So that is something definitely that has affected them this season. And Godden as well, he's also underperforming, I think, about from about 1.8, I think it was. So not quite as badly as what Hadjirai is. So that, so both of their main strikers who played a lot of minutes for them this season are both underperforming and has affected them quite heavily, I think. And so there's maybe been a difference between draws and wins and losses and draws. So it's meant that I'd say maybe their position is not quite justified. I think if they would have had someone who was more clinical on the end of those chances, they probably would be closer, maybe even in the playoff positions. Because I think that they are a good, soft, solid side who are good at stopping the opposition from getting much XG and also relatively good at putting up their own. So if they had some more dependent players for this division, they probably would doing very well i think and it's i think i'm hoping that 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 doesn't good against us we do usually like to end these sort of stories with the player scoring a hat trick against us when they're underperforming so let's hope that doesn't come true totally totally agree um it's an interesting one with with players like that you you sell your big amazing quality striker and you replace him with a couple of guys like sims and Wright, and then they don't quite hit the levels you want to but i i would say it's promising at the very least that a player like Wright is getting into the right areas no pun intended mm. uh, quite often and um, putting up good numbers 9xg from what we're in now 21 games is pretty good that means he's, he's pretty much on for a, a 20xg season if he keeps going at that rate which is obviously very decent and you would expect those numbers to come up if he keeps getting in the positions and he i know that he's got a really good physical profile he's really tall really strong really fast so that's good um and it's gonna aid him a lot in in that what we've talked about there um but yeah there's there's a few others i'm, I'm sure that you're both or at least you are martin definitely aware of van evike um the right back uh, he's playing right wing back a lot at the start of the season but now been playing right back he's looks like a really tidy player he's actually linked with leeds very briefly um in the summer before coventry signed him and he he looks like a player that's done very well for him he's, he's got good energy good speed and he looks like he gets involved in the final third a lot um him and sakamoto down that right side are probably going to cause us some problems and yeah i guess we'll talk about leads a bit later on but that's a little bit of an issue considering our left back situation at the moment um and then yeah i wanted to talk a bit about ben sheaf and Callum hair myself just very quickly and ben sheaf's just a really good midfielder at this level like his retention and progression is is fairly decent but he's also just a really good screener for the back four and i think he's a, a player that's developed very nicely he obviously out of arsenal's academy as a, as a youngster and has just done really well at coventry since he's gone there and then o'hare if, if he hadn't had that acl i think we've talking about a premier league player i think and a lot of what dan said is completely true about his um sort of carrying ability and, and his creativity and all of that playing between the lines but i think he would genuinely be a, a top flight player if he hadn't had that horrible acl and he now got uh, two goals and an assist in the last um, two games and also hit the crossbar against um, Southampton as well so he's a player that we need to keep uh, keep an eye on for certain uh, but are there any players you wanted to discuss Martin that you kind of noticed that were maybe not impressing you as much or that might be a bit of a weakness in their team um, I don't want to name names or, at all because I think that someone like Liam Kitching for example who, who you might both be aware of and who you might have heard of because he did come through our academy um, he signed in the summer I think he's he's not been 
you know, perfect signing yet, but he's someone that's grown into the league. But is there anyone that you uh, wanted to mention yourself that that you thought, oh yeah, that's an area of, of leads, you know, to potentially targeting? Yeah, well, there was one which in, in the back line. Um, I think the left back Jake Jake Goodwell. I think he will have a very tough time against Dan James. Um, he's not the youngest of players, and I think would well be a folk area that we could get some joy out of. I think. Um, he doesn't often get too far forward, um, so he may, may well be in, in good enough position to be able to handle it uh, because it's usually um, the other side right back, Milan Benuic, who gets forward more, like you've just mentioned in the last bit. But yeah, he was the one, the one who I thought we could try to get at and try to get behind if possible. But he is relatively good at individual battles, actually, which was quite surprising. But at this level, I guess there's not too many elite attackers compared to what we've got so it will be a different prospect coming up against our wingers uh, so we'll see how he copes with that but yeah th- th- that's the main one who I for, for saw that when looking through the data and from when I was watching live that he was the main one uh, Hitchin himself I, I actually didn't mind him when I was watching him at least in possession um, he is quite good at carrying the ball and he's one of their ones from the back line who will carry it out on occasion so it is one who we should maybe try to watch out and we had a bit of trouble with that against Sunderland with their centre-backs carrying past our press at times and I think that is something that he maybe could be capable of doing so that's another one to also watch out for but I'm not sure if Dan has anyone else who he spotted Is Kitching is he he obviously played I remember him playing for Leeds and, and getting sold and he got sold Forest Green maybe and worked his way up through via yeah, Barnsley, Barnsley. I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 Did is, didn't he have quite a bad disciplinary record doesn't he pick up a lot of fouls and red cards and stuff am I thinking the right guy I'm not sure yeah I'm not sure <laughs> yeah yeah I mean one of the thi- one of the things that. that I yeah yeah one of the things I found watching them it wasn't particularly individuals it's just generally they seem to struggle with pace I was watching them against Norwich and Josh Rowe Josh Rowe was making uh, John Rowe sorry was making um runs from kind of deep areas in, in, into the back line. They really struggle with that. I mean, John Rose is a very good player. But we have a lot of similar kind of players with similar kind of profiles. So I just think that kind of fast combination and, and fast running at the back line might cause them some trouble because they were kind of, yeah, just not particularly quick, I found, at the back. So even though more generally they, they have good XG numbers, I've, I think that's from that's probably from good organisation and being compact and all that kind of stuff. I, th- I think they can be got out with fast combination play, which is perhaps something we can exploit. Yeah. And I've got the numbers for Kitchings and disciplinary. Um, he's not really picked up that many yellow cards, to be honest. Uh, just right. the, just that when, when, when I'm looking at it, he's got two. Do you know what? I've, do you know who I'm thinking of? I'm thinking, I'm thinking of Connor Shaughnessy, who was a similar defender from a similar era, uh, who right, is yeah. aggro. <laughs> I think I'm getting mixed up. Yeah, like he's... Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, Liam Kitchen has, has actually only committed six fouls this season. So quite the opposite. <laughs> yeah. So a really composed defender <laughs> yeah. on the ball who doesn't give away a lot of fouls. That's, that sounds promising. Yeah. He's left-footed as well, actually. So. He's, yeah. yeah, and he's from, Har- yeah. he's from Harrogate, if I remember right. Yeah, he is. So there we yeah. go. He is. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I, I was going to name the same player that you named, Martin, uh, which is Bidwell. Um, he's obviously a very seasoned championship player, but he is knocking on a bit now and uh, not the quickest. And, and then you spoke about mo- mobility there, Dan. Um, not just... Um, yeah, kind of across the pitch. I think in attack they've got some speed, definitely, but in in defence not so much. Besides Van Evik, um, I think that yeah, there's quite a few guys bid well, but even Sheaf and a couple of the midfielders are not are not the most mobile. Even though Sheaf's a very good player, he's he's pretty slow and pretty um, not very agile as well. Let's put it that way. But yeah, we'll we'll move on now. Um, I've, we've talked a little bit about the data already, Martin. But is there anything else you wanted to add? I've, I've obviously mentioned the stuff about the strikers, but is there anything else you wanted to say? Yeah, yeah, there's a few things which uh, which caught my eye when I was looking at the data earlier on. Um, Ops as the analyst, they're basically they're all there. They're this, the sixth highest open play XG in the league, so it's pretty well high up there. Um, but like we mentioned before, that 
there's a massive underperformance from 23.72 XG. They've only scored 16 goals, so that's it's pretty low, really. That's um, a massive underperformance of like 7.72 XG. So yeah, yeah, pretty bad. And the set piece XG, they've they're all they're twelfth for that, so just around about the middle of the park. Um, but they've also underperformed from that as well. Um, on scoring seven goals from 5.97, so it's an underperformance across the board when it comes to their own XG. Then when it comes to the, the opponents, they have fifth best XG against. So their, their opponents has only have created 17.18 XG. Um, they have overperformed from that as well. So they've got the magic underperforming when it comes to their own XG and also the opponents are overperforming. So that combination um, hasn't done very well for them. But it does mean that they're probably lower in the table than what maybe they should be. And variants could well tell that through uh, over the course of the rest of the season, I think. And we may see see them getting slowly up the league like they did last season, actually. Uh, it's similar, didn't they, if, if I remember correctly, Adam? Yes, absolutely. The, I was actually saying to Stuart on uh, his podcast that the four teams that finished in the playoffs last season at this stage of last season weren't actually in the playoffs, all four of them, Middlesbrough, Luton, Sunderland and Coventry. So it, it can quickly turn. And yeah, yeah, they are definitely a team in a false position, which is why quite a few of us have been banging the drum that this month is a tough month for us. And I know we've lost to Sunderland and that's a disappointment, but a lot of these games are pretty hard. I think Sunderland and Coventry were a little bit underrated teams in this league and have been a, lo- a lot lower or at least a little bit lower in, in both cases than they should be. Um, so yeah, they're, they're a pretty good team as you've just said there I think the expected goals against is is a particular one of of concern I think they could maybe make this quite difficult for us that's in spite of actually changing slightly in in the system they played recently which is that they've gone to a back four instead of a back five and last season they played a lot of sort of a three four with two wing backs two one or a three four one two but this season it's been more of a a bit of a variation between a four three three and a four four two um i think Stuart did go through a bit of a predicted lineup but that might be slightly outdated now with um it being recorded before the midweek game but yeah dan do you wanted to discuss maybe the the potential lineup that you might see uh, in this game, and do you think it's going to be the same as the the last one against Southampton? Um, injuries aside, yeah. So the the team they played against Southampton is listed as a four four two, but with Callum O'Hare in the forward line. So I suspect it was more of a four two three one with O'Hare dropping between the lines. But yeah, um, Collins in goal looks to be a decent keeper. Uh, Van Newick right back, Thomas Kitching and Bidwell. Bidwell being the left back, making up the back four. Sakamoto on the left wing, Allen and Sheaf the main midfield pair. Had you right off the left, playing fairly high, like like I say, O'Hare Lincoln, and then it'd be one of Sims or Godden up front, I think. So I get the vibe Godden perhaps is the first choice when he's fit, but I don't know for certain. It's fairly even sort of numbers between them. Don't know how you feel about that. So if if Godden is fit, perhaps he comes in above Sims. I don't know. That's that, that's it. That's that's an interesting one. So that's how I expect they'll, they'll line up anyway. Yeah, I think Godden's a, an interesting one because obviously he's put up more XG and has clearly played more games for them. Uh, mm. But he is like knocking on quite a bit now. I wonder if they want to give Sims more of a go. I actually don't know why he's not. I think at the start of the season he he looked a bit. I remember a few Leeds fans who hadn't watched the championship for a while watching and thinking. I remember a few tweets about him in the first game against Leicester and thinking, who is this guy? But yeah, I think he's a bit of a handful. Um, him and Wright. So if they're both playing, that's that's a little bit. Um, 
of a worry for me just in terms of a physical battle because they're just both very very good physically yep. decent decent speed as well both of them um so i wouldn't necessarily want that i'd rather have Gordon, who's a bit more of a poacher around the box but like i say getting on a bit now so not not 100 sure what his level is anymore um martin did you want to add anything here no that all seems pretty accurate um i think Gordon has recently come back from injury he was on the bench against southampton so it's whether they bring him in for the for this one if they want to go for a more experienced guy or if they want to go with Sims who have been playing recently and been doing reasonably well. I think I want to watch what watch. He does seem to be a handful. He's quite quite a mobile striker. I know it's miles it's seen and he's pretty tenacious and likes to go into battles with centre backs quite often as well. Is what I saw. So that could be interesting. The depending if they but we'll discuss that in the next section. I'm sure. Yeah, we will indeed. Um, just to the round off this section, I, I do think that Sims and Wright running around and pulling players around is more of a concern when you've got a player like O'Hare also pulling the strings. Obviously, he's probably their most creative player. So now that he's back, it's, it's a bit of a worry. If, if Leeds fans don't know about his situation, he basically had a an ACL for a, a about 10 months that he was out with um, and has recently been making a lot of substitute appearances off the bench but in the last three fixtures he started them all uh, which might actually mean he doesn't you know necessarily play a full 90 here because he did play 90s in the in the last two games but yeah um, and you have to be careful with players like that but he's still probably the main danger man but yeah we'll move on to the lead section now which is going to talk about some of danger men of our own um Again, are there any injuries? I don't believe there's any fresh ones that we know of yet. Um, obviously, we might find out more tomorrow in the press conference. Cool. Um, I'll move on then. <laughs> How do you think... I'll start with you, Dan, first. How do you think we will approach this game in possession? Do you expect anything different from our last game against Sunderland? No, um, I think we'll, we'll we'll play the way we normally play. We'll try and draw them out with kind of steadyish build-up. You know, Melier will get in the ball and we'll, you know, we'll move it around side to side and hopefully draw them out and then look for those kind of you know, artificial transitions that we try and generate. I think if Coventry is smart, and I think they will be, they'll probably sit off us and and let us have the ball. So I can see Leeds, you know, dominating the ball in this game and having lots of ball, and it might be a lot of side-to-side side side passing. And it's just a hope that they come out on, on a few occasions and, 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 and leave space for us. So that's 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 how it's going to start, I think. Martin? Yeah, I don't think there'll be anything major different, uh, both in possession and out of possession. Um, we're at home, so I would expect us to be pretty high-pressing and not allowing them to... Get a foothold into the game, so I think that will that will both be the same. Both in and out, we'll look to try to keep keep holding the ball and try to tempt them onto us to get more space to play into, and look to hit them in transition. Transition like Dan sort of said, if we can get some space from them, but I do also expect them to maybe not be sitting deep because they're more mid block side mm-hmm. and yeah. they're pretty well disciplined mid block as well. I'd expect their press to be look. Fairly similar to Sunderland, um, albeit with a different shape, because I'm not sure if they'll play a back, back three in this. Um, like I said, they've recently changed to a back four. So that'll be interesting if, somebody, if they see what Sunderland did and decided to set up. That's one possibility. Um, yeah, I would say that in, in quite a few recent games, we've had a bit of a problem with mid-blocks in midfield, stodging things up. Blackburn, Middlesbrough and Sunderland in, in various different ways have, have made it difficult for us. So um, yeah, it could be, it could be a bit bit tricky again but yeah Coventry are a, a tricky customer team kind of really aren't they um so yeah I, I can kind of agree with you guys I think we'll try to dominate the ball but doesn't necessarily mean they're going to make it easy for us and and I am worried about them in transition on their own as well I think if our pressing's not right as you've talked about there Martin I, w- I would be concerned uh, Dan did you want to add anything about our possession is there anything you see differently no not at all I mean from in terms of the way they'll press us, it kind of seemed to be that yeah, everything I saw was very mid-block. 
yeah, and they're just waiting for teams to come into the into the midfield, and then they'll kind of go at them and try and win the ball um, in in gangs. So yeah, it's kind of often press with a front two, like screening. I think you know going side to side. So whoever the front two is going to be. So like, like, I think it's looked like a four four two recently in, in terms of a press, but it, it, it could vary. I mean, like, like I say, I had I had the same thought about them perhaps going back to a wing back system, looking at what Sunderland did to us in the week. You know, we might they might fancy doing that because it's something they can do. So that's that's something to look out for. But yeah. Probably more likely to press in a four four two and then like a medium a mid block four four two. And do you think just quickly on that, if they do play a back three and play like a three four, do you think it'll be a one two or do you think it'll be a two one with like two midfielders and play that sort of box that they had last season? I don't know if they have the players enough players to play the kind of box the other forward part of the block the forward part of the box. So I wonder if uh, O'Hare would form a front three behind Haji Wright and whoever the striker is. I wonder if that would be the way they would play it, perhaps. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's perhaps how they play it. Yeah, I think I agree if they do decide to do that. But I think either way they do it, the, the personnel won't be like too dissimilar because I think Sakamoto's played yeah. a lot as a wing back this season, so they yeah. they can just switch him out there. So I don't think the the actual eleven will be that different if they decide to do that. Right? Is there a player you can see having a big impact on this game from a least perspective, Dan? Is there anyone that you think is going to be crucial in this game? Yeah, I think I think it's, it's going to be wide, fast runners. So it's it's. Dan James perhaps up against um, up against the uh, Bidwell the left back uh, and 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 obviously Somerville is, is the man isn't he for us at the moment um, so it's those guys kind of running at that back line of theirs um, should have a lot of fun and, and perhaps this is a better game for Rutter he's, he's been off form a little bit you know if there's if there's if we're able to find space for him to run with the ball and carry with the ball uh, perhaps he'll have a bit of joy so yeah it, th- those are the guys um, the ob- obviously the ones we expect to do well running at them because they're our main main attackers. But yeah, Dan James specifically, I think it's 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 right for him to have a good game. He's G one. Yeah, um, agree with that. I would throw in one more player, and I'll let you go, Martin. I think Ethan Ampadu is going to have his hands full this game. I think he's going to have to be really careful about O'Hare and where he's running. I'm not saying he has to mm-hmm. do a proper man marking job of him, but he's just going to have to be very aware of where he's going to be going. Whether that is him just ghosting into the box himself um, without the ball, or whether that's him driving with the ball from midfield areas. He's very good at both. He's a good carrier, a dribbler, and, and a, a pretty good um, threat when he gets around the area. So I think Ampadu's going to have to be very, very careful of that, and, and a big part of our rest defence, I would say. Um, but yeah, Martin, is there anyone else you think is going to have a big, a, a big impact on the outcome of this game? I'm going to go Jed Spence. Um, I think he quite happily could cause cause some problems, um, especially driving from deep. That's uh, so, so, sort of different element to what he brings to our back line, to what Byram doesn't. Mm. Um, obviously, Byram has been fantastic for us, and I probably would prefer it if Byram was fit. So then Spence could be his favourite right back spot. But if he's if he's in in at left back, I still think he'll be able to cause problems for Coventry, especially with a combination of both um, Somerville and Spence both going at um, Milan Vanuic, who is a good player going forward, um, but I'm not sure if he's quite as good, especially against two players like Somerville and Spence. I think that left-hand side will definitely be key for us in this and how they can get by their opponents and thinks it is a dribble first mentality that they've those two have got and most, most of our attackers. So I think most of our dribbly boys will have to have a good game to do well in this because it's going to be this, similar to Sunderland in that they'll try to start up the space so there won't be a lot of space to move to move about in. So they'll have to be on the best individual games and beating their man when they can to drive into the box. I'm not 100% sure how good uh, Van Evick is as a defender, to be honest. I don't think I've seen games where he's been tested all that much, but I do know he is more of a wing-back. He has played that more in his career. Um, so yeah, I would worry 
up for them about his backwards defending potentially, despite the fact he has a lot of speed. Um, so yeah, um, I'm interested to see how that battle goes. Um, but yeah, there's there's obviously quite a few areas of the pitch that of concern. You've you've touched on most of them there. I would say that, that Ruter is also going to be huge in this game. I know you've sort of mentioned that, but he's um, he's a player that I think could, needs to have a big game because I think he was a one of his weaker performances against Sunderland. So I hope he puts it right. Um, Dan, while we're talking about players, um, is there anyone you wanted to mention that, that might have a bit of a, a difficult game for us or that you're a little bit worried about? Well, it's it's yeah, actually, it was a good point you made about Ampadu and, and O'Hare. Yeah, he's really got to be on his game. So, yeah, I worry about that a little bit. If he doesn't get much help, it's more, it's more about the help that, that we're getting in midfield and we're getting, we're occasionally these days leaving big gaps and leaving a lot of work for Ampadu and, and um, Kamara to do. And if we're not careful, um, O'Hare can really exploit that. So, yeah, yeah Ampadu and... It needs to have a good game. And I guess Archie Gray is up against quite a good athlete in, in Hadji Wright. Not necessarily the best footballer, but like a really clearly a really good athlete, big powerful guy, really fast. So, you know, perhaps Archie Gray might have a hard time. And there's there's possibly an argument for playing um see Hadji Wright plays in the left, there's possibly an argument for playing Spence, just to counteract that, because Spence could probably handle that athleticism because he's a great athlete himself. So that's that's something to look out for. But but as Martin says that combination with with um, with Somerville on the left and Spence might be posted for us as well. So it's you know it's, it's a balancing the risk and reward, isn't it? Type thing and they're making that decision. So that'd be interesting. So Martin, do you want to add anything here, or do you want to have a stab at a predicted lineup for me? I'll go with a predicted lineup. Nothing else to add for that. Um, I think it will be uh, Melier in goal. I would guess Gray at right back and uh, then Roden and Galstrauk in defence with Spence at left back and Camera and Padu. Ruter, James, and Somerville, and Bro. Um, there's slight potential that Nanto could come in um, because he has been impressing in the past few games, in my opinion. And at the same point, James hasn't been impressing in the past few games. I know he scored the game before last, but other than that goal, I don't think he was exceptionally good in that game. It, that, that goal really did rescue his game, I think, in, in that one. So I think so there is potential for Nanto to get a much-deserved start. Um, he's putting in a lot of effort off the recently. And I would like to see it, but I'm not holding my breath on that one. Yep, totally agree. Um, for everything you've just said, Nanto has like actually looked to take on his man a little bit more than pretty much most of our wingers. Actually, I would say he was he was more bright than Somerville in that Sunderland game when he came on. Actually, and and trying to get past his man, I think Somerville was drifting inside a lot, whereas Nanto was genuinely trying to go on the outside, even though he's not particularly great at that like comfortable at that because he likes to go on the inside on the on the left side more um than he does to go on the outside on the right but he did do really well and he got by his man a few times dan do you agree with the predicted lineup though i uh, i fear that he will go with the same lineup um i'm worried about the lack of rotation and the players getting burnt out so i really hope nanto gets a run i really hope he you know he looks at some of the other players in some of the other positions you know perhaps makes some subs earlier, gives Joseph a longer run out, whatever, you know, but I just, I really want to see him starting to use his squad a bit more. But yeah, I, I kind of expect it to be the same team. And the only change, yeah, is, is possibly Nonto for James, but he, he obviously very much likes Dan James, doesn't he? So yeah, I still err on the side of unchanged. Yeah, we're all on the same page there then. Um, so yeah. what do what do you expect this game to look like um, when we're watching it, Dan? What do you think it'll look like when we're, we're, we're looking at it through our eyeballs and, and how scary a Coventry going to be? Go on. I think it might be a game where Coventry do a good job at frustrating Leeds and the fans. I think it might be one where the fans get a bit grumpy while Leeds are trying to break Coventry down. And I, and I kind of worry about the tempo of Leeds at the moment because I think the energy levels have been a bit down with the Blackburn and Sunderland games. And, you know, perhaps we've come across oppositions that aren't, that were quite wary of our 
our attack and how we like to attack. And I can imagine Coventry being quite tuned into that and they might try and slow the game down and stodge the game down and slow it down. So I expect Leeds to have a lot of kind of slow build-up possession and... You know, I really, really hope that we get a goal early in the game, and it kind of which opens it up. But if we don't, it could be quite a stodgy, slow game. So, wouldn't be shocked if it's a low scorer. Uh, you know, and perhaps Leeds just coming out on top of a low scorer. But you know, I can see it being quite tight actually. Hard to argue with that, Martin. What would you say? I think that's pretty much spot on. I think it's going to be quite similar in nature to the Sunderland game. Um, probably not a whole lot of XG happening in the game. Not a lot of big chances. So the teams are going to have to be clinical, and when we do get those moments to take advantage. Uh, we will most most likely not be dominating more of the possession with Coventry looking to try to hit us when we spin the ball over. And I think we will then try to hit them in in return when they get forward. So yeah, it's has it has potential to be uh, I won't say boring, but not as exciting as some games this season, I think. So cue the five four result. <laughs> <laughs> it might be it might be it'd be quite a tense I was say it might be quite a tense tactical battle. You might see a lot of tweaking and changing, might you, as the game goes on. So it might be quite interesting. It might be one that's fairly interesting to watch back afterwards, but it might not be a super exciting game, if that makes sense. Yeah, I called them a little bit scary um, just then because I think they're an underrated team and I think they're going to cause us a lot more problems than a lot of fans think. Um, so I think it could be a pretty low-scoring um, win either way, really, but I'm hoping it's, it's to Leeds, obviously. Um, but yeah... Um, Finally, where do you think the game, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but where do you think the game will be won or lost? I'll start with you, Martin. I think it'll be whoever is more clinical. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a lot of chances like I alluded to in the last part of this pod. And I think whoever finishes the chances when they do get those big ones will come out on top. And considering Coventry have a few guys who are underperforming at the moment, and we have maybe one guy in Rutter who's underperforming on his XG, but we've got a few guys who are firing at the moment in Somerville and James. So I think we should just be able to edge our battle. But as Alex says, no, we don't make predictions. But I am. I've got a little bit of discomfort to Coventry because they are such a solid side. But I do think that we should be able to edge them. Yep, I think for me it's about again uh, the differential in transitional attackers a little bit, and like you just said, they're kind of taking chances. They're they're due at their, a couple of their strikers. They're definitely due taking them. You know, this could be a game where both Godden and Wright score and and start to turn their xG around a little bit. But um, that concerns me. <laughs> but yeah, um, for us, it's like the likes of Somerville, Perot, James. Can can one of them take that chance when they come? Generally speaking, most of them have recently. Um, maybe Ruta. Um but yeah Dan anything you wanted to add it's just going to be down to whoever takes their their chances so yeah if we can get chances to players like Perot and Somerville who are good at finishing and, and, and generally do sort of match their XG or even go, get above their XG I think we'll be fine but um, yeah it's going to be a case of who are who our big chances fall to and we're not going to have a lot of big chances I don't think because like I say I think Coventry are a well organised uh, defensive team and they will do a good job of um, frustrating us and the crowd, I would think. So yeah, it's just it's just hope those chances fall to Perot or Somerville, and, and in Coventry's case, Hadji right, and then he fluffs. <laughs> I've, yep, I've cursed us now by saying that. Uh, yeah, definitely have. And I also went on yeah. their podcast and made a score prediction. I did a U, so we're probably going to... Yeah. And I also predicted that Joe, Joel Perot might score. So great. Um, <laughs> he's definitely not going to score now. Anyway, I won't give that away too much because you should all go and watch that as well whilst you have some time. Um, but yeah, that kind of brings us towards the end of the podcast. I'm just going to quickly remind you all because Tom Alderson, even though I've already done it, He's here in the room with me. Oh my gosh, he's got a gun. Guys, guys, um, I promise I'm, I'm going to do it, mate. I'm going to do it. Um, uh, it's patreon.com forward slash ASAW patreon. Is that okay? 
Okay, he's put the gun down. Thank God. Um, anyway, yeah, we'll be back soon to review this game and to preview our next opponents, Ipswich Town, who we play next week. Um, additionally, we'll be hosting a Twitter space or 10 or 15 minutes after the lineups were announced on Saturday, I think, me and you, Martin, um, possibly someone else as well. But all that's left for me to say is thanks for not shooting me, Toldo. Um, thanks to Martin. Thank you too, Adam. Thanks to Dan. Cheers, Matt. Cheers, Adam. <laughs> Cheers, Martin. Cheers, Adam. <laughs> and thanks to all that listened in. I hope you all enjoy the commentary game. Goodbye and have a great weekend. 